Welcome to Cybermania, Cyber Talks with the Brightest Minds in Cybersecurity. Discussing risks, AI, emerging threats, workforce challenges, and more. Brought to you by Cyber Range Solutions. With your host, May Brooks. Hello and welcome to another episode of Cybermania. With me today is my special guest, Will McCannon. How are you, Will? Doing well. Uh, it's morning here, so, you know, I'm starting to wake up slowly but surely. <laughs> How many cups of coffee have you had so far? Uh, well, I'm not a coffee drinker, you know, due to eyes, right? <laughs> okay, okay. Well, that's very weird. In cybersecurity, we usually either have coffee or energy drinks. We are very bad for you. Don't Don't drink energy drinks. We're supposed to be in an educational episode. We can't talk about energy drinks and all the bad things that happen to cybersecurity professionals. Yes. So to start this off, Will, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. Um, my name is Will McCullen. I'm the program manager for the IT Center of Excellence for Pima Community College. Uh, that's all well and good, but why am I here? Uh, I started off... <laughs> Long time ago, galaxy far, far away, <laughs> back when uh, the the browser concept of a browser was just getting going. Um, started off in K twelve and uh, made my rise through K twelve through being a computer tech all the way through being uh, district coordinators. Then I came to Pima Community College, um, and I was a uh, primarily a plumber, right? I did the networking and uh, got put in charge of firewall and the data centers and um, then became the director of cybersecurity networks for the college. And so through all that, um, I have had that long background with academia and uh, myself and a gentleman by the name of Chris Bonhorst, um, we I was the director of cybersecurity networks. He was the director of technical services, which was over all the data center, right? All the systems that are involved. And we're one of the largest community colleges in the nation. So it's no small environment. And we were trying to hire a Linux admin and we couldn't, right? Uh, it, we didn't have any experience. We couldn't hire from our students, which we felt was a bit of a crime. We couldn't hire from other academic institutions um, because they didn't have experience. So we kind of got together and thought about how do we crack this nut? How do we solve this problem? And that's when both of us came over to the academic side. So now we're on the academic side teaching. Yep. And that basically led to the creation of the Center of Excellence for IT and Cybersecurity. And so that's sort of the story of the inspiration. But let's talk a little bit about the center itself and what you do differently, because you mentioned, and I think that's something that a lot of people working in or with academia see, that graduates usually have strong understanding of the field. But there are things that you can learn in a book and there are things that you have to learn by doing. You can't just read a book about, I don't know, about playing the piano, never touch a keyboard and then become a content pianist. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way configuring firewall 
and either see what I've done there, correlate from yeah. yeah, I th I think that was nice from keyword to keyword. Um, I honestly I didn't think about it in advance. Uh, <laughs> so I want to hear a little bit about your approach, and maybe you can share a few examples, a few slides with us. Oh, sure. I'd be happy to. Um, yeah. So, so for those only listening to the podcast, um, we're going to add a few slides and show a little bit about what's going on in the Center of Excellence, what it looks like. So make sure you check it out on YouTube as well. But we'll talk about what we see. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah. It's So as you know, right because you've been doing this for a while and you've been involved with elements of curriculum one of the big problems across our nation anyway and i'm sure it's probably the same everywhere and i don't know why they for some reason it teaches theory across everywhere right <laughs> If yeah. you go to, if you become a welder, right, you would kind of hope that somebody would have picked up a welder and drawn a bead. Um, if you go to your doctor, how comfortable would you be um, going to a surgeon who did only online classes? Right? Not so if, much. If there's so many different elements of industry that get it, why has it taken IT so long? Right. And in my my personal viewpoint is that uh, higher ed kind of failed in this area massively. And so then industry had to respond in some way and you had certs pop up. Right. Yeah. Uh, you would have Cisco certs. You had Microsoft certs. The industry needed something that said. Here, uh, this means that you know how to do it. Yeah. And, and then it's very vendor specific. Right. And, and then, but then where did they go for their model of how to do certs? They went to education. <laughs> yeah. So, so still you're in this situation. I, you know, if you've worked in IT at all and tried to set up anything or troubleshoot anything, does it come up and ask you A, B, C, or D? No. Not really. No, no. It will yeah. usually be H. <laughs> and you've asked about, right, you covered vendor specific. So you'll take classes on um, Cisco. You'll take classes on Microsoft. You'll take classes on Linux. But where's the class that teaches you how to hook up a Linux web front end to a Microsoft database server in the back over a Cisco network? Exactly. It's a problem. And um, so across the industry, we, Chris and I were thinking, and, all right, well, we can hire interns, right? <laughs> okay. Well, we were a college, so that means that a large part of our systems are, are things like our major enterprise uh, planning element, which holds our budgets, which holds all the student records, which holds uh, and its production. Can we let an intern on that? No, no. <laughs> uh, any place that is dealing with major compliance, how easy is it to let somebody who is green, brand new in on your critical systems? So I, I know it's a sad thing to say, but there are interns across this country that are doing things like installing printers and, you know, 
stuff of that sort. And that's also, yeah, but that's also experience that you need. I mean, you can't run before you learn how to walk, but you can't oh, sure. run for the first time and go do a marathon. Right. But does that get you into your career very quickly? Exactly. Uh, does that meet the need that, right? You, you go out and you look at uh, job announcements everywhere. What do they all want? Years experience. Of experience. Yes. And that's right? always so, a huge problem. Like but someone starting out, how will they get that experience? Who will hire the green so. person? It's that catch 22. I've, I've gone and I've spent thousands and thousands of dollars getting an education. Great. I've got my wonderful piece of paper. Uh, so I get a job, right? No. No. Uh, have you thought about starting at help desk? What? <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Why would I do that? Yeah. I, I've, I, can I've got all this, I now have all this debt that I have to pay off. And you can't do that off a help desk uh, salary. That's why, by the way, I always recommend my students everywhere I've been teaching, get a job in IT. I don't care doing what. Starting, day one, find a job at help desk, support center, whatever. Just get Absolutely. some sort of experience, hands-on experience. You can't go. You can't start when you graduate. It's too right. late. So what if... What if you had some folks with, say, database, uh, uh, data center background, networking background, put them together and made them dumb enough to take a uh, teacher salary? <laughs> uh, and that's kind of where we fall in, right? Um, because we've got to do something, folks. And uh, this is where I'm reaching out to anyone who's listening that's part of education. Let's change this for everybody. Um, and here's kind of how we approached it. So if any of that helps, you know, uh, let us know. We'll do what we can to work with you because our whole concept is that this needs to be duplicated or at least parts of it, whatever you can use to improve the situation. So we at Pima, we hooked up with a group out of Phoenix called the Arizona Cyber Warfare Range, but I'll get to that um, in just a moment. We started off with a couple of guiding principles, right? Uh, one is to change lives for the better because Pima is one of the poorer um, uh, counties throughout the United States. And we have a very heavy uh, Hispanic population. And uh, so we're a Hispanic serving institute. And there's a whole lot of folks that have been raised in cultures of need, right? And that's not a racial thing. That's, that's money, right? <laughs> uh, socioeconomic that uh, have not been able to realize that if we can bring in students that have the aptitude, the ability, and are willing to work hard, a career in, in cyber, which is needed so badly, if you can do it well, you can completely change your life for the better. And the other part, as I'm sure you know in great detail, 
uh, we have some folks out there that are very much against our ways of life and would like to completely demolish that. And so a big part that we need to do across this industry is get folks who have an understanding of how to build systems that can take attacks. So another big aspect of what we're trying to do is help save this country, right? So that that's the core of what we're about. So what we did, it means to be in cybersecurity. It sounds very like grand, but yes, we are protecting society. Absolutely. Right. Because if you can, if you can make use of a lot of these, how much does a breach cost a company? It's huge. But, okay. But you know, so today, uh, what we see more and more, and sorry for cutting you, uh, it's not just about the cost. Yes, it will cost money. But it's not just about protecting the company and saving money. I see that there's such a rise in hacktivism, hacking for mm -hmm. ideological reasons that are really, it can be someone that is just trying to take over accounts, like personal social media accounts. It seems small, but for some people it's huge. Or take down companies just to influence the way they are perceived. Now, it could be for financial reasons, a competitor or whatever, but it also could be for ideological reasons. Oh, and yeah. we see that all the time, all the time. So it is protected. And I'm not even talking about the more sophisticated hacks going into nuclear plants and whatever. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about simple DDoS attacks, taking down websites and getting people to a point that they can't run their day-to-day -day lives just because some service or another is unavailable. Well, think of small businesses all over, right? If you can cause a breach, that means they have to deal with legal situations. That means that they probably have to take care of customers, pay customers. It might bring down the business mm -hmm. because it can't handle those financial elements. If you do enough of that across a country, you can now affect the entire economic system, right? Absolutely. So when you say it's not just about theft, right? You're spot on. If you want to hit a country, that's a good way to do it. And so much of this is from missing basics. How, how many folks in our industry, right? <clears throat> how many hacks are out there from just not doing the basics? It's huge. Oh, yeah, right? I think it's a huge number. Huge. So um, part of that, you know, we may be completely wrong. We call this a grand experiment. But if students that we're putting out, people that we're putting in the industry, if they don't know at least somewhat how to hack, or the perspective of hacking, how are they going to know how to protect? Right? You don't train cops with yeah. squirt guns. <laughs> yeah. So we you have to understand your adversary. Right? So what we did is we teamed up with the Arizona Cyber Warfare Range, which are is a group out of Phoenix that are incredibly talented hackers. Um, they're they're in a very unique space. They work with all the three-letter acronym folks. Um, but we opened up a branch of their element here at 
Pima Community College, and we are their academic range. And what that basically means is that it's a place where uh, we don't teach classes there. It's meant to be disruptive. It's a, it's a room full of Kali computers. And you can sit down at that computer and start to hack the person next to you. Things that you get arrested anywhere else, right? China, they develop their hackers like our baseball leagues all yep. the way from school on up, right? Russia, they, they have flipping cafes where you can sit down and hack anyone as long as it's not Russia, right? <laughs> so here in the US anyway, we put people in jail. How, how are we going, how are they going to learn? How are we going to develop a community that can start to deal with that if that's how we approach it? So in the Arizona Cyber Warfare Range is a place where you can do that stuff in that room. And um, our viewpoint in all this is that we had to make it practical, right? So what we did is in our center of excellence and next to that is we developed a student-run data center. The whole center for excellence is completely separated from the college. Right? It has its own internet feed because compliance, the big part yeah. of that is PII, right? Well, if we separate out that environment entirely from the rest of the college, now the students can run everything. They can run the firewalls to the switches, to the VMware environments, to the setting up the servers everything from IDRAC cards or, you know, uh, management cards in the back of servers to the hardware, to the network attached storage, to all the separate VLANs that you have to have for network segmentation, right? I, I know I'm geeking out here, but mm -hmm. uh, it gives an idea of the complexity. And they manage the classrooms, all the desktop machines, and they do it with desktop management, not just going from machine to machine, right? It's the only way we could think of doing this was by creating the an enterprise environment and said, here, it's yours. You and how, <clears throat> how big is this environment? How many computers we're talking about? How many servers, et cetera? Um, well, we've got, uh, let's see. I can come back to this. Uh, we have a, this is an older picture. The second row of uh, cabinets are all laid out. This is the student run data center, right? And um, we have servers in there that have 128 core boxes with like a, um, about a terabyte and a half of RAM, right? For our virtual infrastructure. The classes that we have, we have a VDI infrastructure, right? Virtual desktop interface for those that may not be as familiar with it. And what that allows you to do is run a virtual machine, which is, you know, a virtual construct of a actual physical box. So you can put multiple virtual machines on a single physical box. So uh, the students, when they are taking their courses, their labs, they log in with their browser and they have a Windows machine or a Linux machine 
or whatever in their browser. It's a virtual machine. We've got about a thousand of those running for our classes. Amazing. We don't manage those. They this, manage them. Manage that. So basically, they come out of this program and they already ran a, a network of a thousand, let's call it a thousand employees. So it's not a tiny network like three computers that are connected to a small home office box, whatever. It's a real network with strong capabilities, just like they would see in a real in a real enterprise environment. So let me run this past you, right? How many how many students uh, across this country do you, do you recommend that? Um, hey, use VirtualBox or use KVM to set up your own on your machine your own virtual space so you can build your own active directory you can build all that right yeah. wonderful so you walk into a job interview uh yeah well i've set this up on my own virtual machine i duplicated an active directory i did right okay now take a student and say tell me a bit about yourself and that student can say well we had this problem uh we had a hardware failure in one of our servers and so we had to migrate 300 machines off of that node in the VMware structure, pull that out, replace the hardware, reinstall uh, ESXi VMware, reattach that to the iSCSI storage and uh, put it back in the cluster, test it, move machines back over, see how it went. Then we could notify everybody else who you're going to hire. Definitely the second one, because he actually sounds like he has experience. He knows what he's talking about. It's not just theory and books. That's the point. That's exactly the point. We have a whole networking team. We have uh, a whole virtualization team. We have um, Linux teams. We have Microsoft teams. We have, right? And yeah. uh, to set anything up, they have to talk with each other. To be able to manage that kind of complexity, now all of a sudden, magic happens. The whole concept of project management, change management, documentation to be able to pass on to other people. Now it's no longer just information that you have to regurgitate for a test. It now becomes something that means something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you understand the meaning. You Again, you go on and get your first job, but basically it's not really your first job. You already have some sort of experience. I'm not comparing it to three years of experience and whatever. I, but again, you're not starting off with only theoretical knowledge. You already have some grease under your fingernails and you already done something. And so from, I love uh, that. from being somebody who used to run a data center, <clears throat> the hardest part is that you can have elements where students will be putting stuff together, right? Uh, like a VMware cluster. Getting it. Okay, I think this is all straight. Um, I think I got all this right. Uh, I, I think I'm ready to engage it. Shall I click here? And we have and to done. we have to fight everything inside of us to go, sure, go ahead, give it a try. <laughs> Yeah, but, but that's the best way to learn because you don't always have the expert. And at some point, you'll have to be the expert, so you'll have to troubleshoot yourself. And it blows up. You have yeah. to let the students make the mistakes. Because how did yeah. you learn? 
right? It must have been making mistakes. Uh, you know, I I once had hair. What? <laughs> right? Well, that's what IT does to you. See? Yeah, I know. When we teach, you mentioned before, real yeah. IT has to be learning how to take the vague and make it work. Exactly. You mentioned a few vendors before, and I want to talk to you a little bit about partnerships and collaborations that you have around the college, around the center. Who do you work with? How do you work with them to make sure that the students have that rounded education? Ah, awesome. Well, um, so we have, let's see. Um, so I, I don't want to go through too many slides here, but you know, this is a idea of the data center and we can come back and look at any of these because we also have a fusion area. We have a cybersecurity operations center. Um, but here in the Arizona cyber warfare range, we put our culture right on the wall leave your ego at the door, right? Because I I don't know, what is it about our business that everybody feels that they have to hold their tail higher than the other, right? And I think everyone in IT can agree. Nobody knows it all in IT. <laughs> you can't. So I think... All of, most of us can agree. Some are convinced that they do. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Well, um, come visit our students. You'll get proven wrong real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. So let's start by just tossing that out the window. Okay. And uh, we took that same culture and when we started this whole thing, we had a, a summit where we brought in businesses from all over Tucson uh, and a very large um, advisory team. And we said, hey, uh, we're going to get off of our academic high horse. And what we want to do is create what you folks need so that when we do this, uh, you'll be able to hire our students and know that you're going to get what you need. Could you help us build the curriculum? And they did. Uh, we got things that came up in our curriculum that surprised us, right? like uh, project management. Uh, mm. our, our, you know, we we're like, wait a minute, what? Uh, we're we're going to have students and you're going to make project managers of them? And they said, no, 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 you don't get it. When students come out of your program and we bring them into work, they're going to be part of a project right off. They need to know the terminology. They need to understand the principles. They need to be able to work with others and know how that interaction is going to work. So uh, please put a project management class in it. And we're like, yep, we'll do what you want. And uh, we went and we then pulled that curriculum together and they brought it back to them and they said, you did what we asked. What <laughs> <laughs> We're like, well, that's kind of the idea, right? Uh, <laughs> and so in our advisory board, we have the luxury here in Tucson of having folks like IBM and Raytheon. Uh, we have Tucson Electric Power. We have 
a whole slew of businesses. And because they were part of the process, uh, anyone out there in education, this is the most important part. Make sure that you pull business in to be part of your process, not just lip service, but part of your process so that they can have ownership. And businesses everywhere, get involved with your community college. If that's what you want, be part of the process. That's the, this, this has to transform across this nation. Right. I and love that so much because we, it's exactly. in the name. It's in the name, community college, community. Right? It's all about the community. And we always say that in IT and in cybersecurity, we always talk about the community and the fact that we can share ideas and share experience and probably what I'm going through in my organization, someone else is going through in their organization. And when we share knowledge, when we share ideas, it transforms everyone's lives to the better, honestly. So I think that the fact that you got the community involved is absolutely incredible. Well, the other part of that too, <laughs> the other part of that too, all the way around, is that also means a heck of a lot of work. <laughs> um, That's true. You, you have to have a passion and a vision for what you're doing. I mean, if you've never seen Simon Sinek's why, you need to find your why because uh, this isn't just a job and it can't be. Uh, and to be able to impress that upon business, you have to be able to share your vision. You have to mean your vision. Uh, and uh, when I think about how many weekends and long nights and it's not easy. The whole yeah. system is built to fight you. <laughs> yeah. that, that's true. That's true. No, but I think that everyone who teaches or gets involved in the community and you're involved not just by teaching and creating this center and leading it, which is your day job. You're also you also have the podcast uh, that we'll mention towards the end, probably. And you're giving a lot. You're doing a lot of things that could be considered as give back. And you're fortunate enough, and I'm also fortunate enough that that's part of my day job. I get paid for doing it. But a lot of the, these things are things that I would do anyway. Sometimes yeah. I find myself teach a lot of classes without getting paid for it because I just enjoy it. I think it's a great way of giving back. I work with students with K-12, and I think it's incredible because it's really shaping the next generation and hopefully targeting them in the right direction. Oh yeah, and what a better lesson to teach, right? So this is where the students hang out. This is the Arizona Cyber Warfare Range. All of those workstations are Kali Linux. We have students that, um, <laughs> it, it's it's amazing thing happens when you give a little bit of resources and support to students and you call it their space, they're picking up all the gas and electric meters. Uh, they're picking up the drones going in and out of Davis Monthan Air Force Base. They're doing uh, tempest attacks. If you've ever seen a tempest attacks, right? Picking up the radio frequency of the cable between the computer and the monitor, and then being able to pick up uh, what that monitor is showing. Really cool stuff, right? That's amazing. And um, they're doing it. Um, and they're our students went to DEFCON 
right? If you've been to DEF CON, oh my word, it's huge now. There's so many people. You can't, you can't. So what they did is they took ESP boards and put little screens on them with a battery and um, developed through the Wi-Fi encrypted to where they could then pick up each other's signals of where they're going. So that way they could oh, tell if they were near each other and by the signal strength, how if they were getting closer or farther from each other and who was in the local vicinity, right? I love that. I love that. If you let students go, if you encourage them, if you give them resources, they will not disappoint you. And they've created a culture. Okay, so this is a place where the neurodivergent can feel at home, right? The yeah. folks that, you know, I'd, I really would like to talk to you and tell you about this, but I have a hard time looking at you. And, oh, if I looked at you, um, how yeah. long did I, do I need to look at you again? Have I, have I looked at you enough times, <laughs> right? They can come into this space and that's normal. That's comfortable in here. And uh, we have kids that we've brought out of suicide. We have students that have been able to completely flourish. They came into the program not willing to speak to anybody and are now presenting in front of others. Um, we have student and they create this space of sharing, knowledge sharing. How many times do we say in our industry, the big problem is that we need to share knowledge because the bad guys are sharing knowledge really well. Well, if you don't learn that in a community, how are you going to be able to take that to industry? Absolutely. So we're trying Absolutely. to create that culture, that supportive element where it's okay. It's incredible. It sounds like you're making such an amazing positive impact on students' lives. And I just want to put that in perspective. How many students, can you share some numbers, how many students you have year on year? Well, um, we have, let's see, last semester, uh, we had a head count of around uh, 720 or so. That's amazing. Um, and enrollments, because, you know, enrollment is a different number. It's yeah. And I both, you know, that's up uh, well over a thousand. Um, and we've had wait lists that uh, we've kind of hit our our peak. And so we're trying to figure <laughs> out how to adjust and, and get to where we can do more. But uh, we've got students, let's see, the last couple of hires that I'm aware of, uh, we had uh, one gentleman who is hired by, you know, a small little company, Tech Data in Phoenix. Um, for and they walked out of our two-year program into a 95 grand job oh, wow. uh, we have somebody else who is equivalent uh she was on our uh network team part of uh replacing out the palo alto firewalls right from scratch that if if you've ever been involved with that that's <laughs> a small yeah. feat uh, she's now working for the department of homeland security uh, we have students that are being picked up by the small businesses in around town, MSPs, different providers uh, of those sorts, and they're going to all sorts of different places. Uh, we've, because uh, we have students that are doing code loads across this country 
through IBM. We have uh, students that are, oh, we, we had uh, in one of these situations where we were teaching K-12, uh, we had a speaker come by who happened to be the CIO of Raytheon, gave him a tour, nice. went through, and now we were, I think they're branching out now, but we were the first um, community college that what they would do is they would hire uh, apprenticeships, put them through all the clearance training and all that kind of stuff, and through our program. So we were the only program to get into Raytheon without a bachelor's degree. Beautiful. Um, <laughs> we're also amazing. the, um, well, we were awarded uh, this last year uh, the top Red Hat Academy. Um, and we also have just gotten our um, NSA um, designation uh, for cyber defense. So it's a CAE CD, right? So yeah, Center of Academy Excellence, right? Yeah, it's uh, um, officially called um, a National Security Agency NSA Center of Academic Excellence in Cyber Defense. Uh, so we're we're an academic excellence for that as well. That's basically uh, they're pulling together a set of standards that folks can agree on and say, hey, this is what you need in in cyber. All that is wonderful. All that is nice. But the important part is the community and being able to turn this into instead of just theory, practical training, right? And it's, as you can see here in the range, it's, there's, it's not just a cyber range in a box, right? It's not mm -hmm. just a virtual, here in this place, you can say, oh, hey, the NSA just dropped some more tools. Let's download them and give them a whirl, right? <laughs> um, yeah, they can I download they can download malware and start to work on it. I mean, what a better training thing. And, and it's a free resource. <laughs> it's incredible. And, I wanna, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I want to go back to what you, you talked about sort of in general about a few cases of students from different backgrounds. And I want to ask you, because I think for every educator, we have that one story that sort of stayed with us. So do you have a specific story about a student that really changed their life through this program that you felt that you really made an impact there? Um, oh God, I've got so many. Um, instead of picking a specific student, let me pick something to share with educators across the board. It never ceases to amaze me that when I am teaching and when I'm talking with students, when they do something incredible to say, what you did, that's absolutely phenomenal. That's incredible. And what, what really touches my heart is how many times that immediately can bring a student to tears. Oh, yeah. What, what that means is there's so much hurt going on in the world today. There's so much hurt 
in the socioeconomic levels that these students don't feel they're worth it. They don't feel that they are as valuable as they should be. And especially when you're in situations, uh, you know, I had this pointed out to me because it didn't even think about it. Um, we have an incredible grant director and she pointed this out to me that just being white, right? And being somebody that people respect, what you say can have such a large impact that you do not even know or realize what that can do. So one, never uh, use that for bad, but two, realize that as an educator, as somebody that is respected, you have the power to really help change a student's perspective simply by letting them know they are awesome and they are worth it. That May I say happens. something? Yeah, sure. Do that to for your employees as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that uh, I actually spent quite some time working for a guy. He was great. He was, I learned so much from him. But I think that in about five years of working as his second in command, he never ever told me like a single kind word anything and he actually said he it was a problem for him and asked me to do it for the rest of the team so i used to give the positive feedback or the negative feedback doesn't matter any sort of feedback and then at some point after about five years i told him you know sometimes it would be great sort of i would like some feedback good bad evil something and you know he told me like well, everything's fine. If it wasn't, you would know. Like, And now I've been working for someone who is great at giving feedback. And it is so rewarding, really, to hear from someone else. Wow, this is, this is an amazing thing you've done here. This is great. Or this is not so good. I thought you'll do something else. That's so... It's, I think it's super oh, important to give feedback because you can't improve and you don't even know, am I good? Am I bad? Going back to imposter syndrome when that's a whole different podcast that maybe we'll do on another occasion. Um, but yeah, I think that giving feedback to our peers, to our employees, to, to, our, to anyone, basically. And it's so much more than uh, more important to do that one-on-one -on -one instead of... Oh, yeah through an evaluation process, right? It needs to Absolutely. be honest. It needs to be from the heart. And, and, and I think it has to be immediate. That. You know, with evaluation processes, I don't remember what I've done six months ago. Come on, I don't remember what I had for breakfast. But I do remember that I've been working for three days straight on a presentation and hearing some sort of feedback on that would be really useful. So, oh, yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, I think that's something that we probably all of us is not all of us, but most of us as individuals should probably do a better job in that. And you, you have no idea how you can touch it. This, what we have here is an example, right? We have a, a thing in Tucson called SheTech. Um, they're they're actually nationwide, but uh, they bring. Uh, they had hundreds of girls from high schools around Tucson, and they would converge and have this, this conference. And our part in it was that uh, we wanted to teach them how to hack, 
right? So we, we just introduce them. We use like the OWASP juice shop and develop that as a thing. Well, when we first did it, they held it at IBM. And so we, we had like, you know, 30 girls down there and say, hey, we've got these laptops. We want to teach these girls how to hack. Can we use your Wi-Fi? The answer is no. <laughs> no. no. Mm -mm. Right? You ain't so doing that. We had to punt. And this became a student project to where uh, we have a portable range. We took one of these servers, put it in a box, and put it in one of these cases that are on wheels, right? And added an access point and put laptops. Now we can do that anywhere. Amazing. If you're at a school or institution, you can do that too. Now it's an area where, you know, you don't have to try to um, get around and work through, upset the local IT. You can take Amazing. that and do that and make that happen. I, for example, the, I so recommend colleges, man, take your IT classes and make them completely separate from the rest of the college. I teach Wireshark, which is well known to those that know it well, right? <laughs> <It's one of those. laughs> yeah, uh, okay. But uh, we, what I do is I say, okay, everybody in the classroom, write your IP address on the board. And they go up and they say, now take everybody else off the board. In a normal school environment, the whole IT department. You can't do that. <laughs> but uh, but you can because it's a range. In our area, it's no rules. Go for it. Amazing. So, uh, where else? If you're going to go into IT and you're working in practical IT, have you ever been hacked? Would you know how to look at your workstation to tell if somebody was hammering on you or not? Would you be aware of it? How would you attack and defend at the same time? If you've never been in that situation, if you've never felt the heat of that situation, how prepared are you for the real world? You're not. Absolutely, you're not. Like you're preaching to the choir because that's what... <laughs> I've basically been doing for a long time is doing those both tabletop and red team, blue team exercises, because you can't prepare, like you don't prepare for battle with, as you mentioned, squirt guns. You, you don't do that. You have to use an actual gun and you can't pretend that you'll understand what it's going to feel like to be in a cyber attack. If you haven't experienced that now, yeah, I know that being on the range, you know, that's, it's a drill. It's not the same, but it's better than not doing anything and just reading about it sometime. Yeah. But yeah, we run towards the end of the, the show. And I always like to finish this off with a few quick questions. You share whatever comes to mind, no right or wrong answers. So I want to start with a big one. No, so I'll finish with the big one. Outside your professional sphere, what sort of life hack you swear by that helps you keep that work-life balance? I know that you do try to keep it, so that's why I chose this one. Uh, you're asking an educator <laughs> about work-life balance? Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Um, I know. 
Uh, I'm asking a security person about work-life balance. I'm trying. I'm trying to get any hack. Maybe if I interview enough people, I'll get enough to have like two, three hours a week. Uh, okay. So just to show how <laughs> odd duck I am. Um, first of all, swimming. You need something in there to to keep keep that going. I like swimming because also it's very um, almost meditative. Uh, but then also Scottish country dancing. So I did you... not see that one coming. <laughs> <laughs> Scottish country dance. Okay. I have a great time doing that. It's a lot of fun. It's highly aerobic. It's a good time. <laughs> well, I I'm okay with the Scotch part. Not the Scottish, the Scotch. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but Scottish country dancing is social. It's getting up. It's moving around, um, and awesome. and keeping keeping that going. Right. Uh, that's you really need awesome. Yeah, and uh, also, I could not do what I do without my incredible wife. I'm. She provides so much support for me. She believes in the vision as well. Um, helping me make it all go uh amazing that that's what i have to lean on and and work and then also i work with incredible individuals uh james craig our dean I, how he his background came from um being a c programmer running elements in business he's been uh in it business back with artisoft in the day and things like that um so we have a dean who gets IT. That's incredibly amazing. awesome. And then working with people like Chris Bonhorst, you put all that together and that's how things, and Brett Scott, the founder of The Range, oh my word, incredible talent. Uh, I often refer to this, I hopefully I don't mean to offend anybody, but I think of this as a God thing, right? Because none of us could have done this individually. This is yeah. something that we had all the right people come together at the right time. Uh, and it's the integrity, the heart, the drive, the passion of all these individuals that makes it. So in your own institution, whatever you're trying to do, you need to have that vision, that direction, that passion for what you want to make a change and think big, don't be small, um, that will propel you. Amazing, beautiful. Uh, if you haven't chosen a career in tech, what would you be today? Oh, geez. Uh, <laughs> not very effective. Scottish country <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have no idea. I, I really? felt this passion a long time ago. Um, it has anyone who understands education knows that it's a cause. It's not a job. And um, I, so you're not in it for the money, definitely. <laughs> uh, and so that has been what has propelled me. I, I haven't stopped long enough to even think about what anything else could be. So that's a real hard question for me to answer. 
that's that's absolutely beautiful in my eyes um is there some sort of can you reference some sort of book or lecture or something that has profoundly impacted your career or your personal life something that really resonated with you um let's say i referenced simon sinek's why yes that helped a great deal Absolutely. um uh for me of course uh, i have to reference the bible which has a lot of uh very heartfelt things like mercy <laughs> and um love and direction you know things little things like that um yeah. and uh loud thy neighbor yeah um i think one of the things that if you haven't read it or or looked at it carefully um in shakespeare uh the quality of mercy is not strained it falls like the gentle rain from heaven upon the earth beneath it is therefore twice blessed and uh how later on when you get in there it's an attribute of god himself and how earthly power can show forth like gods when mercy seasons justice that really resonated with me it's something where all of us can do by showing mercy in situations uh and that I try to embody that whenever I can. That's really, well, you keep surprising me today. Um, uh, <laughs> in, a, in a great way. Uh, <laughs> last but not least. I know that's going to be hard, but let's try. What do you think will happen in the next, let's say, five years to IT education? How do you see that? developing oh my word there are so many factors involved um workforce needs to step up and recognize if they want what they want out of education um they need to become part education has to get off their high horse and redefine and re-engineer themselves and think practically of how to meet the need that is out there. Those are both massive undertakings and will require a great deal of premeditated effort. Where will it go? I always hope for the best. That's where it needs to go. That's where I place my focus. That's where I want to make things happen. Uh, and I would love folks to all have the same vision. Um, otherwise, it will kind of get to where that need will have to become something that will happen. And uh, it's an ugly world to imagine of what it would require to get people to wake up on the importance of education and practicality of education, not just the academic wonderful theory, which has its place. It's good, don't get me wrong. People need to be well-rounded, but we have to restore an element of practical. Uh, students, we can't keep throwing debt upon students that hinder them for most of their lives uh, and 
it has to be something where it's an advantage again. Amazing. So where it's going, <laughs> your guess is as good as mine. Where do I want it to go? <laughs> I'm going to be plugging my effort as best I can to make a difference. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. If you don't follow Will McAllen on social media, on LinkedIn, absolutely, you have to do that. Him, uh, he's the co-host of Rachel Arnold in the wonderful Coffee the Table, table Talk. Yeah, so that's absolutely fantastic. So make sure you check that out as well. And thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you. See you. And see you guys next time on Cyber Mania.